Jesus, so mindful of you uh, driving here today even, just how we operate under your grace. Your grace is sufficient, Lord. And so today, Lord, I pray, Lord, for those churches in Cuba. I pray for those in Ukraine. God, we do. We pray together. We pray. I, I just pray, Lord, some way and somehow that only you know. Lord, in no way do I need to know how it all works. God, I trust you. So, Lord, we trust you. And I just pray, Father, that uh, individuals around the world and those that we partner with and help, Lord, would help ultimately lead people to you, Jesus. And I trust that you can take seed that is sown into your kingdom and turn it into a harvest of righteousness where people come righteous before you and they fall in love with you and come to know you as Savior and King. So God, we ask you to speak to our hearts, Lord, about this land. Speak to our church. Give us clarity. Give us certainty. God, help us to, to move in trust and faith. And so, Jesus, we just thank you and the honor that you have given us to be a part of this church, uh, this community, and this season, and this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Okay, so if you have your notes, I've titled the message today. We're starting a series called Christ in Christmas. The title of the message, Behold, the King is Born, or really, King of Kings. King of Kings, all right? So we're going to unpack the idea of King of Kings. I have a picture I want to show you to start off. This is a picture of the Cliffs of Mohair in Ireland. Uh, how many of you have been to Ireland before? You ever been to Ireland? None of you, or a few of you. I know my wife has because we went, and a couple of us, all right. So uh, I was like, I'm going there alone. And um, so this is a picture that I took from my phone and uh, this beautiful uh, site. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's something I always wanted to see. And so that's where I proposed to my wife because I'm super romantic. And... Um, I did propose to her there the second time, 15 years later, just because like, I messed up so bad the first time 15 years ago, I had to redeem myself. But how many know that the Lord is the redeemer, and sometimes he allows us to redeem things, so I redeemed myself. But this is a really cool shot, and, um, and the reason why I wanted to show it to you is because when we went to visit the cliffs, uh, it's just one of those things that this just doesn't do it justice. You just have to see it for yourself. And then you stand there, and you're looking out, you know, the, the water, the ocean. I'm sure all of you have seen stuff, whether it's mountains or sunsets or whatever it is, and you just go... I don't want to miss this moment. You ever been there? You just kind of want to breathe in. You just want to take in. There's another photo. I don't think we have it, but uh, Carissa kind of lays down in her stomach. She leans over the edge because she's weird like that. And I'm like, I'm behind her, and I'm taking a photo behind her of her doing it in case she dies. I didn't push her. Um, so she's laying on her stomach, and her head is over the cliff, and she just wanted to get kind of the vertical. That's who she is. She climbs roofs and bare feet, and she's, that's who she is. But... Um, so I'm the guy, I'm on the bottom, by the way. If you see in my neighborhood, she puts the Christmas lights up, bare feet, I'm not joking, climbs all over the roof, and I'm down, you got it, babe, you're doing great, little to the left. And uh, so, praise God for sending helpers, amen. Uh, he sent the right one. All right, so, so these are just the moments, though, and when she was leaning over, you know, it's just really like, I want to I take this in, I don't want to miss this. This is such a beautiful, you know, scenery shot. All right, why do I say all that? Why do I say that? Because this can happen to you and to me during Christmas if we're not careful. So with all the chaos that goes on, Andrew's alluded to it earlier in our, in our worship set, but uh, it's so true that, you know, with, you start thinking about Christmas lists and you think about shopping and you think about parents and you think about traveling and you think about all the things that go into Christmas, decorations, everything. 
And it's so easy to just miss what Christmas is all about. That's why we titled the series Christ and Christmas, because we don't want to miss the Christ and Christmas, because ultimately that's what Christmas is really all about. And so this whole series is an invitation to make sure that we don't miss the Christ and Christmas, and I don't want you to to miss it. So we're going to anchor into a particular word. Uh, In just a moment, I'll share it with you. But write this down in your notes, okay? This is why it matters, that we don't, we don't want to miss what matters most, which is Christ and Christmas. When we see what matters most, we miss what matters least. And that's intentional. And I want to encourage you this Christmas season to consider seeing what matters the most so you can miss what matters the least. Because who cares if you miss what matters least? What you want to see is what matters most. And I want you to see what matters most. And so that's what we're unpacking, all right? So this is what we're going to unpack over the next few weeks. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 1. We'll put it up on the screen. If you have your phone, you want to follow along. Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be in, okay? We'll start with verse 26. We're going to read from the NIV translation here. And it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So Nazareth is out on the outskirts. It's not a highly populated place. It's a few hundred people at best. And so Nazareth uh, is also seen as something that's really not any uh, amount of people that are good. You have some mixed breeds, if you would. You have some Jewish and you have Gentiles and Jews that hung out with Gentiles weren't clean. And so from a Jewish perspective, they didn't like people from Nazareth. In fact, one guy named Nathaniel ends up talking to Jesus one time and he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because the idea is that's just... That's a podunk town. That's podunkville. You know, you've heard of those statements that we say or, or whatever other statements you might reference certain neighborhoods. That you're like, ain't nothing good coming from that hood or whatever, right? You know what I'm talking about because you talk that way. You hear those kinds of statements. That's how it would have been in this culture. Nothing's going to come from Nazareth. That's podunkville. Ain't nothing over there. So that's how they viewed Nazareth. Nazareth is about 15 miles uh, just kind of to the south, if you would, of the Sea of Galilee, just about 15 miles away from where Galilee is. So this is the context of which this whole thing comes together. Then we'll continue on. Read verse 28. It says, Then the angel said to her, He said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and we'll talk about why in just a minute, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Powerful, powerful statement. All right, so greatly troubled. And you see these words, highly favored. He says, God is with you, Mary. He's doing an incredible work, and he has found favor on you, highly favored. What does that mean? Just so you understand. Okay, this is the Hebrew word or Greek word, I should say. It means greatly graced. If you've ever been in a Catholic environment, you've heard the term, oh, hell, Mary, full of grace, right? This is where this idea comes from, that she is greatly graced. She is greatly graced. Now, it's a way of saying, this is what's important that I want you to gravitate towards and understand. It's a way of saying you have received a wonderful gift. The grace of God has overcome you, and he has, I mean, you know, grace is a gift of God, and he has gifted you. Oh, he's got so much grace upon you, Mary. That's the idea being 
told here from this angel. A couple things I want you to know about Mary. Number one, she's a teenager, most likely a teenager because she is engaged in our vernacular. We would say engaged, but she's engaged to get married. Uh, women at that time were getting married much, much younger, so she's likely a teenager. So wrap your head around a teenager having to hear from an angel and then, oh, don't be afraid, you know. Uh, so, but this is where she is. Her Hebrew name is Miriam. If you know of Miriam in the Old Testament with Moses, Moses' sister is Miriam. Mary is the one where Moses is put into the river, and Miriam says, I want to make sure that I put Moses back into the hands of mom. So Miriam coordinates the whole thing. Miriam, the name in Hebrew, means exalted one, which is fitting, of course, for the one who's going to be uh, bearing the child of the Son of God. And so she is the exalted one, not to exalt her, but she's carrying the exalted one. Amen? So that's what is being represented to this woman, Mary, in this moment. Something else that's important to know. If you were to flip over your Bible into Luke chapter 3, and I think we have a chart of genealogy. I forgot to tell you about that. If there's a map of a genealogy chart. I want to show you something if she can find it. So if you had your Bible out and um, you read Matthew chapter 1, and uh, Matthew chapter 1, you ever seen, you know, so-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so, because you don't even know how to pronunciate the name, so you and I say so-and-so, and, uh, but, you know, begot, 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 begot. How many of you guys have ever read through every name in Matthew chapter 1? All right, a handful of you. Awesome, right? And how many of you have struggled with pronunciating some of them? Oh, there's the chart. Cool. So, so you have Matthew chapter 1, you have a genealogy list, okay? That's not boring material. That's important material. If you look at Luke chapter 3, you're also going to see a list of genealogy. But you'll notice there's a difference, right? That's not in conflict with one another. Here's why. Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy through the lineage of Joseph. You look Luke chapter 3 is the genealogy and link from Mary's angle. But then if you read Luke chapter 3, what you're going to notice is Mary's name's never mentioned. The reason Mary's name's not mentioned is because it wasn't common in that society in that time to put the man, to put the woman's name in the genealogy, so you'll see the name Joseph. But you look at the family line, it's a little different because it's coming from the line of Mary. Now, it's hard to see on this graph, but you can see it up there. You see Jesus on your right, and then see right above his head, you'll see uh, Mary, and then right below, you see Joseph. Now, I'm not going to take the time to try to read all these names and help you understand, but what I want you to see is the, the difference, so that whenever you read Matthew 1, you read through all of those names. Why is Matthew writing about it? Luke chapter 3, why is Luke writing about it? That becomes absolutely important and critical for us to understand, to really gravitate what Luke is trying to get across in his gospel. So Luke is writing to Gentiles. This is really important. If you were to read Luke chapter 3, I think it's verses 23 down, where it gives the genealogy through Mary. That's important. But the reason that Luke writes this in this way is because his audience is a Gentile people. And his whole purpose there is to let them know that the Savior has come for them too and that he is the God of all gods, that his origination started in God. That's why if you read Matthew, Matthew does not take it all the way back to God, but Luke does. He takes it all the way back down to Adam and then to the son of God. And so that's important to understand the genealogy of all of this so you understand that it's all pointing back to show that this one that's going to be born in this virgin belly, that this, this Christ has come, he has come through the lineage of not just of David, but all the way back to creation and time to help the Gentiles understand that he is Lord of 
all. That's the context. Now, that's important to note because it takes us all the way back to Adam. It takes us all the way back to God. Now, here's what's interesting about this. If you go back just for a second to the NIV translation I just read to you, verse 30. You just had it up a moment ago. All right, go back to the, uh, okay, so this is the New King James. So this is, let me just, yeah, there you go. Thank you. All right, so look at this statement. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. Now I want to show you what the NKJV translation is. All right, so go over just a minute ago. Just ignore the NIV at the bottom. This is the New King James translation. I know some people are like, it's King James or nothing. Um, I'm not, I don't believe, King James is great if you can understand it. I struggle with understanding it, so, you know, I try to go to the NIV. But when you study the words in NIV, you do find certain errors, or not errors, I shouldn't say, different interpretations or different words are being used. So, it's important to study no matter what Bible, by the way, you study. If you study the King James, you still got to look up words. If you study the NLT, you still got to study words. All right. So when I read, I read the NIV, I'll read the NLT, I'll read a whole bunch of different translations, and specifically, I'll read the NKJV. So when I was reading the NKJV, I found this word, and behold, in the midst of this. So let's read it this way. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, which the NIV used, leaves out, which I think is... You know, I don't know if I would have made that decision, but that's the decision they made. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And it's this idea of and behold that I want to spend time on. And behold. That's what this whole season is really all about. Let me help you understand the word behold. The word behold is used 1,300 times, 1,298 times in the King James Version Bible. You won't find it a lot in NIV or NLT. And the reason you won't find it there is because you see the word to look or to see. So when you see the word, look, look, it's Jesus. You know, when they're baptizing, you know, John the Baptist, look, the Messiah, look, the one, right? The word look, and when you see the word look in English, you're like, oh, look, yeah, I see, look. Okay, keep moving on. But in the NKJV, you would say it's the word behold. And behold has a much deeper meaning. In Hebrew, it's to perceive through sight or apprehension, to gaze upon, to observe. It's like, man, I'm going to take hold of this moment. The word in Greek simply means to know or to see or to be sure to see. So I want to put it to you like this. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is basically what it means. Behold simply means don't miss it. I want you to catch this and I want you to think about what the angel is saying to Mary. When he says to her, and behold, here's what he is saying to her when he shows up. He says, Mary... Mary, now, now follow me on this church. This is what I want. This is what I've come to deliver the word today for my heart and I think for ours as well. Mary, don't miss this. Mary, don't miss what I'm about to inform you of. Take, take a moment here in what's happening in the gift that God is going to do through you. Take a moment. Breathe this in. Don't miss this, Mary. Behold and I want you to anchor into that season, into this season, this Christmas season. I want to invite you in to just behold. Behold what? For Mary, whenever she is told as a teenager that this angel has spoken, that this, this son will be born through a virgin, Mary would have instantly, as a Jewish girl, would have understood something very, very critical. I believe wholeheartedly Mary would have went, I've read that. Prophet Isaiah 7.14. So let me remind you, you some of you already know this, what Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus was ever born. A man named Isaiah spoke these words, Isaiah 7, 14. 
And this is something Mary would have understood if you can put it up. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You're going to call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel, now watch this, follow me. It's God with us. So when Mary hears the message and it says she was greatly troubled, Mary reads it and goes, I know that verse. I've read that verse. I've heard that verse. And I want you to wrap your head what this young girl would have understood. That's me. You mean the prophetic word given 700 years ago and all of the people who've heard this prophet spoken and all the people who have read it and heard it being spoken over many people over 700 year period, you're telling me that's me? Behold, don't miss this. Don't miss it, Mary. It has come. It is you. You are the one that Isaiah spoke about and predicted 700 years before you were here. I want you to behold that. Who predicts something 700 years, something that's going to happen, and it happens, just as they spoke about? Just behold that for a minute. Observe that. Wrap your head around that. And for Mary, that's what she's wrapping her head around. Behold means don't miss it. The angel continues, he will be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him his throne. Father David, he'll reign over Jacob's descendants and forever. The kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. Which, by the way, another guy named Daniel wrote 500 years before Jesus' birth. Here's what Daniel wrote 500 years. A different guy 200 years after Isaiah. Daniel wrote this. Daniel 7.14, which is weird because we just read Isaiah 7.14. Okay, so Daniel 7.14 says, He was given authority, glory, sovereign power over all nations and people. Every language worshiped him. His dominion is everlasting dominion. His kingdom will never end. It's an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is the one that will never be destroyed. Many of us have heard the idea of king of kings, lord of lords. Let me unpack that. The title of a king is best represented, I think, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You say, what's Genesis chapter 1, verse 26? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and you continue on, is where God gives dominion over to who? To Adam. And, he, and if you go read Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, and you continue on, what God tells Adam is, Adam, you're in charge of all things. Adam, name them all. Adam, I'm giving you reign, supreme authority over all creation. You have supreme authority, and the only one you're subject to is me. Now, when Jesus is being born, and what is being spoken by angel to Mary is, I have come, Emmanuel, I with you now. I am putting myself down through my son in human form, and I am among you. King has come to earth. The king of all kings. All authority is in his grasp. 
Behold, don't miss this. Bottom line, behold, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is born. That's all I wanted you to anchor into as a church this Christmas. I want you to take a moment and just consider who was born. The King of every king and the Lord of all lords. The one who holds all power, supreme power, has come. It's not just a cute little plastic baby that we light up with kind of like little cute things at Christmas in front yards. Much more than that. This is the king of all kings. The creator of the world has come. So it continues on in verse 34 to 38. It says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born, who will be called the Son of God, And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary makes this statement. I love it. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. In fact, if you read the King James Version, you'll see she'll say, behold. She says, behold. Now watch this. Mary goes, behold. If you read the KJV, behold. In other words, take notice. I am yours. And for Mary, a teenage girl, wrap your head around this. The penalty of walking around pregnant without being married, maybe being accused of some form of adultery. The reason why I say adultery, even though they weren't married, in that time period, whenever you engaged to someone, it wasn't like we could call the thing off. It was already a done deal. It just wasn't like stamped, if you would, but it was a done deal. So it would have been seen as adultery in the eyes of the community. So now Mary's having to say, yes, Lord, put the child within me. The community's going to see that I've committed adultery. And what was the penalty of adultery? Being stoned to death. And she says, behold, yours. Powerful. Because Mary had recognized something. Prophet Isaiah spoke about this. I've read about it, and it's me. Behold, you take notice. I am yours. She understood this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. This is not just some child. This is God with us. Powerful, powerful understanding. I want to just behold that. So, write this down. When Jesus is Lord of our lives, Jesus will Lord our lives. The reason why I wrote that in is because I want you to see this. For Mary, she understood that Jesus was Lord. How do we know that? Because she surrendered to the Lord. When Jesus is Lord of your life, He will lord your life. Does Jesus lord your life? I want to ask you a question. Just think about it. Do you choose to believe this Christmas season that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords? He's Lord of lords. Greater than any earthly power than you could ever imagine. He holds supreme power. He holds it all. He's Lord of all lords, capable of all things. Nothing is impossible with him. Nothing. Do you believe that this child 
that was predicted 700 years, came to Mary through virgin birth. If you just behold that, that should change everything about your decisions. So Mary says, how do I know if Jesus is Lord of my life? Let me tell you how you know. You respond to the Lord like this daily. I am your servant. You don't wake up every day saying, I am your servant. He may not be your Lord. God may be your Lord. Dreams may be your Lord or idol. Like just wrap your head around what Mary is saying. I am your servant. Whatever you say goes. You are king. Imagine what it would have been like to be married to hear the words, behold, the child is born to a virgin. And then you are that virgin. Incredible. So here's what I invite you to do. We're going to share in a time of communion, sing a song, and then we're done. And the reason is during this song, I wanted you to behold. And we've got elements up here. We've got some grapes, we have some bread, and we have gluten-free crackers for all of our gluten-free people. But it does have eggs in it. And if you have a dairy allergy or something even more, then just eat at your own risk. Uh, but... Here's what I'm asking you to do as the band sings uh, a song. As they begin to sing, uh, I want to invite you. you. You can come forward. You can grab a grape, grab a bread. And then I just want to invite you to partake in communion on your own during the song. Here's why I'm doing this, and here, here's why. It's not trying to be slick or something. or It's just trying to help you understand something. If y'all need to take the TV off, you can if you need to pull it back. Um, here's the verse that we're going to anchor into. So for the remainder of this series... We're going to partake in communion each and every Sunday. And the reason why is because I want us to behold. It's what the Lord has spoken to me for you and for me too. It's Ricky, behold, brave. I want you to behold. I want you to behold. I want you to remember Christ in Christmas. All right, so don't forget it. So Jesus, on the night he's betrayed, we know this from Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians. It says, for I have received the Lord. This is Paul writing. The Lord, who I also deliver to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. Verse 24, when he gave thanks, he broke and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then they partook of the bread. And then it says in verse 25, in the same way, also he took of the cup. And after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes just want to invite us to behold when we partake of the communion elements and we sing this song I just want to invite you to just hold, behold like this moment look and see, don't miss this the king of all kings was born and each week we'll unpack a different understanding of what we're going to need to behold as we get our head so if you'd stand to your feet when the band begins, you can begin to move and just break off a, a grape or a bread, and then uh, I'll come back up and just say goodbye really briefly. So I want to invite you to behold. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for coming in flesh. We thank you for fulfilling so many prophetic prophecies, Lord, to a degree that which is incomprehensible. We can never fully understand how you could do such a thing. We are magnified by your beauty and by your grace. And Lord, I pray for those in this room. I pray. Close your eyes for just a moment. God is not the Lord of your life. I encourage you with all that's in me. 
make him Lord. He is Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee will bow one day. Declare it today that he is Lord. He has come full of grace and full of truth and full of love and full of mercy. And so today, God, we just take in for a moment that you are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. And so today we sing and we partake in breaking of bread and the cup, Father, in a way of saying, God, we are doing this to remember that you are the King of kings. Nothing is impossible with you. And as we stand on the brink of opportunity, nothing is impossible with you. Nothing, God, is impossible with you.